Hey, thanks for listening to the Daily Walk podcast. Just want to remind you that if you have any questions, any thoughts, any comments, or any prayer requests, you can go online to the Boulder Church website, which is at boulder.church. Send them along. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, look after each other and live love. Good morning. Welcome to Daily Walk. It is Tuesday, May 28. My name is Becky Delavera. And I'm Jafet de Oliveira, and at Land for Tuesday, obviously, uh, because it's a fresh day, fresh start, and uh, I'm excited for this uh, passage as well. Uh, let me pray for today. Heavenly Father, bless us. Bless us as we read it. Bless us as we reflect on it. Bless us as we discuss it, and uh, we try to apply it to our lives today and into the future. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Yes, we will need a lot of blessing to apply this to our lives, although it is in the message today. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. I don't know. So I am, as you know, reading Amos chapters 3 and 4 from, as I said, the message, the MSG. Subheading, the lion has roared. Listen to this, Israel. God is calling you to account, and I mean all of you, everyone connected with the family that he delivered out of Egypt. Listen. Out of all the families on earth, I picked you. Therefore, because of your special calling, I'm holding you responsible for all your sins. Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Does a lion roar in the forest if there's no carcass to devour? Does a young lion growl with pleasure if he hasn't caught his supper? Does a bird fall to the ground if it hasn't been hit with a stone? Does a trap spring shut if nothing trips it? When the alarm goes off in the city, aren't people alarmed? And when disaster strikes the city, doesn't God stand behind it? The fact is, God, the master, does nothing without first telling his prophets the whole story. The lion has roared. Who isn't frightened? God has spoken. What prophet can keep quiet? Announce to the forts of Assyria. Announce to the forts of Egypt. Tell them, gather on the Samaritan mountains. Take a good hard look. What a snake pit of brutality and terror. They can't or won't do one thing right. God said so. They stockpile violence and blight. Therefore, this is God's word, an enemy will surround the country. He'll strip you of your power and plunder your forts. God's message. In the same way that a shepherd trying to save a lamb from a lion manages to recover just a pair of legs or the scrap of an ear, so will little be saved of the Israelites who live in Samaria. A couple of old chairs at most, the broken leg of a table. Listen and bring witness against Jacob's family. This is God's word, God of the angel armies. Note well, the day I make Israel pay for its sins, pay for the sin altars of worship at Bethel, the horned altars will all be dehorned, and scattered around. I'll tear down the winter palace, smash the summer palace, all your fancy buildings. The luxury homes will be demolished, all those pretentious houses. God's decree. You never got hungry for God. Listen to this, you cows of Bashan, grazing on the slopes of Samaria. You women, mean to the poor, cruel to the down and out. Indolent and pampered, you demand of your husbands, bring us a tall, cool drink. This is serious. I, God, have sworn by my holiness. Be well warned. Judgment day is coming. They're going to rope you up and haul you off. Keep the stragglers in line with cattle prods. They'll drag you through the ruined city walls, forcing you out single file and kick you to kingdom come. God's decree. Come along to Bethel and sin, and then to Gilgal and sin some more. Bring your sacrifices for morning worship. Every third day, bring your tithe. Burn pure sacrifices, thank offerings. 
speak up, announce free will offerings. That's the sort of religious show you Israelites just love. God's decree. You know, don't you, that I'm the one who emptied your pantries and cleaned out your cupboards, who left you hungry and standing in bread lines. But you never got hungry for me. You continued to ignore me. God's decree. Yes, and I'm the one who stopped the rains three months short of harvest. I'd make it rain on one village, but not on another. I'd make it rain on one field, but not on another. And that one would dry up. People would stagger from village to village, crazed for water and never quenching their thirst. But you never got thirsty for me. You ignored me. God's decree. I hit your crops with disease and withered your orchards and gardens. Locusts devoured your olive and fig trees, but you continued to ignore me. God's decree. I revisited you with the old Egyptian plagues, killed your choice young men and prize horses. The stink of rot in your camps was so strong that you held your noses, but you didn't notice me. You continued to ignore me. God's decree. I hate you with earthquake and fire, left you devastated like Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from the flames, but you never looked my way. You continued to ignore me. God's decree. All this I have done to you, Israel, and this is why I have done it. Time's up, O Israel. Prepare to meet your God. Look who's here. Mountain shaper, wind maker. He laid out the whole plot before Adam. He brings everything out of nothing, like dawn out of darkness. He strides across the alpine ridges. His name is God, God of the angel armies. Okay. So here's the thing. I think uh, you should really read the Daily Walk today in order to be able to un- understand this question in particular uh, because it's, it's really good. Obviously, it's great all week, and Nathan Brown's written the Daily Walk for this entire series, uh, but it will help you understand the question in particular that's taking place today because here are the questions. Yes. What are our greatest risks of syncretism today, and how do we distinguish between cultural relevance and syncretism? And, and the reason why he brings us all up is because he's just given reference to uh, Jeroboam and Jeroboam the first and the second, who were kings who followed after each other and uh, took in religious practices for political power. So they ended up putting like golden calves at Bethel. And yeah, Dan. syncretism is basically merging a lot of different traditions together to make something. So sometimes um, ecumenical movements are accused of syncretism. Right? Oh, really? You could say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's uh, that's what he's been accused here, uh, the, the problem they've been facing here. And that's what um, Amos refers to in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, 13 to 15, where he talks about, uh, you know, you set up these altars in Bethel and uh, they will be torn down because they have become places where you're worshipping golden calves. So uh, how do we distinguish between cultural relevance and syncretism? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, good. you sometimes hear people... Um, make statements like, you know, we really all just want the same things and we, or we all believe the same thing. We just have different ways of expressing it. Mm. And I really don't think that's true. I mean, I've come to, the more I've experienced life, I think that people really do sometimes want very different things. The outcomes that they envision are not the same. The world that we want to see is not the same world. So I think with religion, it can be hard to meld things together when sometimes those things are directly in opposition to one another. Mm So I think, you know, to some extent, I think there's value in doing it. I think there is truth and beauty and things that you can learn from other religions. But I think you have to be a little bit careful with how much, how you discern what those things are and how, like what you use as your, 
your kind of ruler for deciding what you think is part of your value system and what well yes and and then isn't. if you become too elitist about it or you know you push your view stronger than anybody else's view and and i think the tension the tension as well is that people are constantly trying to work out whether they're being faithful to god at the same time mm. as well as whether they are uh, alienating people well and uh, i mean cultural relevance i mean that part just makes me laugh because the assumption there whenever you're just trying to be culturally relevant obviously your assumption is that the culture is like lower. up here it's perfect oh okay that it's something worth aspiring to well, who's to say many aspects of our culture are not worth aspiring to? They may be our culture, but they're things that we should be very critical of. And, y- and, um, yet, and yet I think that there are some who would see it that as soon as you become culturally re- relevant, that you actually are lowering yourself down. So they don't see it up here, but they see it more like down there. I, yeah, I can see what and you so say about that too. So yeah, I, yeah, I can see both. Um, but I think that the danger of it would be just that you're thinking that, that culture is the same thing as... As spirituality, that you uh-huh. you kind of equate those things. I don't think I. You know, I, I wonder whether we actually whether we have dissected it so much, right? We dissected faith so much and and, and culture, and we've kind of separated it so hard that that sometimes we misunderstand uh, just how entwined they are and blended. Well, in I because mean, I mean, even Amos, this text here. I mean, yeah, it's it, without understanding the culture and the setting of what Amos is speaking to, it would be it could be really misunderstood out of context. But and look be- at the fact that basically all of us believe that God agrees with our political views. Well, you know? no, I mean, I think <laughs> Pretty he agrees much with my view. That. I don't know about yours, but well, mine. <laughs> exactly. Every, I mean, it's awfully convenient, isn't it? And yet many well, of us, we have directly opposing nice. views. It's just yet, nice to be on the right side. <laughs> just like, you know, God was there helping the, the British shoot down German planes and vice versa you know he's on everybody's side because everybody's Was praying he? you know it's just <laughs> I, I think that i think it's very complicated right it's like when you've got the two lines lining up and they're both praying to god and that's exactly the i mean there's a lot of poetry about it a lot of reality about it there's a lot of a lot of uh, thought about it as well because that is the contrast of any war of any of any situation that people are in the tension of like where is god in the big picture of all of this and, and i think and it's really hard god? to know mm-hmm. so i think you know i don't agree with um not doing syncretism you know not trying to blend things that are of value and just sticking with whatever kind of culturally or religiously you've been taught because well, i think there's a huge limitation i think in that. a, that's why i think nathan's asking us to to work what's it how do yeah, we distinguish between do do cultural relevance and syncretism so let me uh let me uh repeat the question one more time and uh let's try and think about that some more today what are our greatest risks of syncretism today and how do we distinguish between cultural relevance and syncretism Think about that, talk about it with your friends, and uh, look after each other, live love, and we will connect tomorrow. Thanks for your support for the Daily Walk podcast. Wherever you are in the world, we just want to let you know that we're praying for you, and we're glad that you're praying for us too. If you can help us out by giving online, then please go to boulder.church forward slash give and help this ministry actually make an effect on others as well. Keep us in your prayers, look after each other, and live love.